Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on the MTS, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, Enforcement Action. In this podcast series, we're going to take a deep dive into the MTS uh, enforcement action, the people involved in it, and the individual prosecutions. But first, are you a lifelong learner like I am? Well, I am a huge aficionado of the Great Courses series. In history alone, there are over 224 courses, ranging from the history of the CIA to ancient Rome, ancient Greece, and everything in between. If you like learning and you like an audio or video format, The Great Courses is for you. You can listen at the gym, on your commute, or you can put it on your desktop and watch the video or watch the video at the gym on your uh, smartphone or other device. It's a great way to learn. It's a fun way to learn. They provide a PDF uh, detailed book with each course so you can take a deep dive into it. I really can't say enough good things about the Great Courses and the Great Courses series. I hope you'll check them out. You can find them at thegreatcourses.com. The Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission recently announced a stunning resolution to one of the longest-running bribery, corruption, and money-laundering sagas on the international stage, that involving the ruling family in Uzbekistan and mobile telecom companies. The MTS settlement was the third of three FCPA settlements that paid Gulnara Karamova over $1 billion in bribes. The MTS settlement alone was for $850 million, which makes it number three on the all-time list. This podcast series will be an examination of the background facts of the case, a detailed review of the bribery schemes involved, the compliance failures of MTS and its actions during the investigation, which contributed to the size of the penalty, the individual prosecutions brought as a part of this action, and the key lessons learned for the compliance practitioner. In this episode one, I take a look at the background facts, the parties, the players, and the fine and the penalty. Episode five, lessons learned for the compliance practitioner. In this fifth and final podcast on my special five-part podcast series on the MTS Foreign Corrupt Practices Act settlement, I want to take a look at key lessons learned for the compliance practitioner. While it may seem that the MTS enforcement action has little relevance to the compliance professional working in the United States or Europe, turns out that's not quite true because there are several key points that bear consideration and exploration, which we will do in this podcast. Number one, due diligence. This case emphasized once again the importance and significance of due diligence. In each of the transactions involved, there was clear evidence of (coughs) direct or indirect involvement Uh, by Karamova and Shell Corporations. The bribes paid for the acquisition of and for the put call to Karamova were through her company, Swissstorn. The DPA revealed that one MTS executive working on his own dug up open source information that Karamova had set up Swissstorn, which received 20% of the Uzdan Robita from the unnamed U.S. company. So we can have an executive through open source Uh, i.e. Google information determine that, that's certainly not a good thing. The second uh, shell company, Tackalant, their due diligence, uh, a due diligence company found that it was beneficially owned by the family of 
uh, the president of Uzbekistan, and that Akhmedov was a trustee for Karamova and worked for Karamova. The report further documented the inter- international press articles that also reported that Takalant was beneficially owned by the uh, by Karamova. To top it off, the due diligence revealed that Takalant was a minority owner of Uzdan Robita's competitors in Uzbekistan, that being Unitel and Coscom. The matter really drives home the point yet again that not only must due diligence be performed, but if red flags appear, they must be cleared. The MTS executive who did this on his own open source investigation demonstrated not only how this clear requirement how clear this requirement is, but the business reason to do so. He recognized the potential FCPA violations and at least issues with what he found. He was dead right that the company would pay for doing business with such persons. The business justification, number two. Another bribery scheme involved the purchase of Colorit, which was unrelated to any business which MTS was doing in Uzbekistan as it was an advertising company. Even the MTS executives involved noted there was no business reason to purchase the company. Additionally, uh, the value was overstated and it was unattractive to MTS's development strategy and it would be uh, impossible to explain to the investment community why MTS was purchasing it. There was uh, the sole reason, excuse me, the uh, Colorit's ownership was unclear or uh, it was clear to many that um, Karamova controlled it. And certainly, Colorit did not need the sale for its development. Uh, and that, amazingly enough, one MTS executive said, quote, transaction is a toxic one. So all of this uh, was uh, leveled out in both the order and the DPA, and it drove home the fact that there must always be a business justification articulated to engage in the purchase of any entity. If there is not one, or indeed it cannot be articulated, it must mean there are another reason. Put another way, if your business folks cannot explain why you'd be doing business with someone, frankly, you should not be doing business with them, period. In addition to the lack of a business jurisdiction, justification that was the business valuation entity. So to add to the litany of reasons that the correlate transaction was littered with red flags was the purchase price paid by MTS. The order stated $40 million for Colorit was substantially more than the $23 million valuation of the company that J.P. Morgan had prepared at MTS's request. MTS's own Department of Strategic Planning put it equally as bluntly in internal memos citing, cited in the DPA, which said, quote, within the framework of qualitative analysis, it's hard to imagine within that framework of this poor country, 171st rank in GDP per capita and 185th rank in inflation that just one out, outdoor local advertising company could cost $40 million U.S. dollars. This is a pure fairy tale, end quote. Most compliance practitioners do not think of purchase price as an indicia of corruption. However, the MTS matter drives home the requirement that a reasonable price be paid for an acquisition. If not, what is the reason for the excess value? It could well be a payment that the payment is the basis for a corrupt payment. The same logic also mandates corrupt compliance program visibility into corporate M&A process. While compliance might have some input regarding compliance aspects of an acquisition target, it rarely has such oversight of the business valuation or purchase price. And finally, number four, 
Once you start down the road of paying a bribe, you're going to stay on that road. As the MTS enforcement action demonstrates as plainly as can be shown what happens to a company once it starts down this road. Just as there is no honor among thieves, once you start paying corrupt officials, the demand for additional bribe payments will never end. The the DPA is replete with examples where Karamova continually threatened MTS operations in Uzbekistan unless additional bribe payments were made. It literally began within one year of MTS purchasing the assets, which would become Uzdun Robita in April 2008 when the company received an email from Uzbeki regulators concerning purportedly bad connection quality for local and intercity calling in violation of the company's license. The notice stated that if those violations were not corrected within one month, the license could be suspended or revoked. Later, an Uzdunrobita executive forwarded the email to certain MTS management stating that we had been warned that Karamova would take revenge on us for MTS's decision to decline to engage in another transaction for her benefit. And then the summer of 2008, while MTS executives were trying to address her demand for additional payments, she was uh, taking away bribery frequencies from MTS and reassigning them to competitors. Um, one MTS executive that there should be a bribe payment and an amount of an annual sc- subscription for her, quote, happiness, end quote. All of this led to the bribe payment being made, allegedly for 4G licenses, yet it was really just another bribery shakedown by Karamova. The Colorit Corolit purchase was continued part of the shakedown. One MTS executive termed the $50 million paid for the company, which became $40 million, as our, quote, obligation, end quote. He also wrote that unless bribe payments continued, uh, Uzdun Robita would lose its current, current existing exchange opportunities and those acquired frequencies, or perhaps they would even be recalled. The bottom line is once you begin paying bribes, there are all that you are always up to subject to additional extortion. The MTS executives who paid bribes broke local Uzbeki law because even in Uzbekistan, it's illegal to bribe government officials. So just as GlaxoSmithKline business executives were prosecuted in China under Chinese domestic anti-bribery laws, MTS executives in Uzbekistan now run that risk literally every day they are in country. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this special five-part podcast series on my exploration of the MTS FCPA enforcement action. It's certainly a very interesting one within the context of the trilogy of enforcement actions, uh, MTS, Vimplecom, Antilia. You see a massive bribery scheme that netted over $1 billion to Gunara Karamova. I hope you will also check out my blog post, which I've linked to throughout this show for some additional exploration and explanation. And of course, the show notes provide the underlying documents. This five-part podcast series on the MTS Foreign Corrupt Practices Enforcement Action has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.